Hi, welcome to my CBT podcast. This is Dr. Julie Osborne, and thanks again for being here with me. Happy New Year. Been quite a year already, huh? I hope all of you are doing well and staying safe and taking care of yourselves. So I know my last podcast we talked about the movie Soul and being more present and trying to find what, you know, sparks you, maybe some goals for yourself, but living every day and being aware of those around us and, you know, what's important to us. So I thought today might be a good podcast to talk about how do I find that happiness in my life? What does that look like? Because lots of people say, oh, I just want to be happy, but I always have to ask my clients, you know, what does happiness mean for you? Because it's very different for all of us. It's not just this, you know, common state of being because different things make us happy. Right. So I'm going to talk a little bit about actually some research behind that and some things you can focus on and see, like maybe I'm doing these things already. These are some things I can add in my life. You know, how can that be beneficial? And of course, always being mindful about how we're thinking about our lives. Right. And what our thoughts are and how they're affecting our moods and creating our moods and our behaviors and what's our environment look like and all that kind of stuff. So let me start off by saying, you know, most people seek a life filled with meaning contentment, feeling gratified, and having pleasure, right? So in moments of reflection, we may wonder what we can do to direct our lives not only away from anxiety, anger, stress, and depression, but towards more a state of personal fulfillment. So we may realize that typical markers of achievement in our society, you know, maybe like a graduation, getting married, getting a job promotion, you know, completing a project, buying a home, don't always bring us happiness that we expected. And often they actually increase our stress levels, you know, that sometimes, you know, we reach a certain goal and then we're like, oh my God, I'm more stressed than I was before, (laughs) you know, that I thought this was going to take care of everything. So it's not always, you know, what we may think is going to happen. And despite the fact that we are affluent by world standards, we're able to drive nice cars, we live in large, clean houses a lot of times, and have access to entertainment media. We are subjected to high levels of stress with all of that. You know, even all the social media creates a lot of stress for a lot of us. And a lot of times, you know, it's just so much information and people saying negative things and fighting with each other and getting upset. And, you know, so although things can be great, we also have to see that, you know, what stress comes along with them as well. And how's that affecting our happiness? So because of all of those things, many of us may carry with us a pervasive feeling of discontent. So we pursue the next highest goal in our lives, only to find out that achieving that goal does not bring us the feeling of true happiness that we're longing for. Most of us live better than royalty did in the past, but these high standards of living have not brought us a sense of true contentment. And a survey of people in nations around the globe learned that the highest levels of personal happiness were actually found in Nigeria, followed by Mexico. And the United States came in number 16 while Canada and most of Western Europe also scored at similar levels. So, you know, many people think, you know, living in the United States is the place to be, you know, all of these great things, this freedom, these opportunities, but we're not actually the happiest people. So therapy has made great strides over the past half century, actually, in understanding various forms of mental illness, right? So we can now classify conditions and make appropriate interventions to alleviate, you know, those from specific forms using certain psychotherapy and sometimes medicine if necessary. Less research, though, has been done, however, in finding ways to understand how we can achieve a life filled with meaning and contentment. So 
you know, we're very focused, like, oh, I'm depressed, help me not be depressed. I'm anxious, get rid of my anxiety. You know, whatever it is, my OCD, whatever I'm going through, or, you know, here's some medicine. We know a lot about that, but they need to do more research. When I say they, the researchers need to do more research on how do you create a life filled with meaning contentment? You know, I have a lot of people I start working with, and like, oh, do you think I need medication? And, you know, unless someone is just not functioning on a daily basis, my recommendation uh, if they're not on medicine already, obviously, is I say, you know what, let's, you know, let's work together for a little bit. Let's, you know, teach you the cognitive behavioral therapy tools. Let's really put this into action. And after our time together, whatever that might be, maybe eight, 10 sessions, you know, we can reassess and say, you know, how am I doing? And, and are the tools working? Am I making the effort? You know, or do I still really need medicine? Because so many times you don't, because you really have to just change some, not just, but you have to change lifestyles obviously the way you're thinking, your environment, and people realize like, wow, I can really, you know, get better quickly and I don't even need the medication. So that's where we need to do more research to give people more direction on how do I achieve those goals, not just taking medication and just getting, quote, rid of my depression, but, you know, and for a lifetime, right, finding some happiness in your life. Again, we have a host of methods for treating some of the conditions associated with unhappiness, which is stress, anxiety, depression, anger, a lack of engagement, you know, substance abuse, poor interpersonal relationships, and even cognitive and emotional impairments. Now, however, psychotherapy is making similar strides in devising methods like the CBT. So you can move to the next step from unhappiness to more of a truer happiness. And the purpose of the new trend in therapy is to understand how people can achieve genuine happiness in their lives. So it shifts the focus in therapy from the negative, you know, what's going on in life, more to the positive, meaning what can I do to make things better? And there's a place for understanding and treating more negative life experiences, of course, depending on the concerns of the individual, just as in many cases, the focus should also be focusing on the positive, what's going well in your life, and, you know, how can you, you know, build on that, right? Sometimes when people have resolved their negative issues, they can begin to focus more on the positive concerns in their life. So sometimes, you know, we do, obviously we need to deal with, you know, depression, anxiety that's maybe holding you back or whatever other symptoms you have so we can get to that better place to start building on the things that are really going to bring you more happiness. So there are some things we can do about our life circumstances to increase our level of personal happiness, right? Of course. So, for example, another study was a cross-national study that found that people who live in wealthy democracies are generally happier than those that live in countries with poverty and dictatorships. People who are in committed relationships tend to be happier than people who live alone. People who are lucky enough to avoid negative events in their lives report higher levels of happiness than those who have been hit by unfortunate events, just as a job loss, divorce, or the death of a loved one. Those who are religious report higher levels of happiness than those who are not. Surprisingly, however, once a basic level of financial security has been achieved, having more money does not contribute to happiness. Healthier people appear to be no happier than those who suffer from an illness as well, which is interesting, right? And higher levels of educational attainment is not linked to more happiness. People also in sunny climates report about the same levels of happiness as those in colder climates. And race and ethnicity have no effect on a person's perceived level of happiness. So, you know, it makes you start to think when you hear these differences, you know, through the research, like, oh, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm from Buffalo, New York. I think I told you that before, I do not want to live in the snow anymore. (laughs) 
<laughs> and yes, I love enjoying being here in California, but it's saying, you know, the weather doesn't necessarily affect my happiness, whether it's colder or warmer. So, you know, it's interesting to sit back and start thinking about, yeah, you know, could I still be happy? Would I still be happy with, you know, my marriage, my family, my friends, if we all lived in a colder place? Of course, I'd still be happy with everybody in my life. And I would have to adjust maybe to the weather. <laughs> so it just makes you step back and think like, you know, although these things add to my life, you know, I do love living in California. I do love the weather. Um, and I think it does create a positive effect on my day when the sun's out and I can, you know, go be outside and go swimming and all that fun stuff. But in the bigger picture, you know, what's really at the core of my happiness. So it just makes you think about all of that. So the things I just shared are just, you know, based on research, doesn't mean you have to agree with them, doesn't mean it really, you know, maybe you feel differently about your life, which is fine. But just, you know, in general, it's just interesting to know, you know, based on that level, what things really do affect us, because it helps us step back and say, okay, let me look at what are the things I really need to focus on to be happy? Maybe it's not the stuff I'm, I'm chasing after, right? So some more research just to share a little bit, and then we're going to talk about things to focus on, is um, that recent research is focused on how a person can work towards a happier life. So Martin Seligman and his associates at University of Penn, he's a pretty famous therapist and author, focus on positive psychology and what makes people happy. So actually, this is a really great connection with the Mind Over Mood book that I use with my clients is in the second edition. They did focus more on positive psychology. So that's more about gratitude, you know, doing a gratitude list, being, you know, more present, focusing also on acceptance, dealing with forgiveness. So that's kind of positive psychology. And they concluded that happiness is an internal experience based on staying true to one's genuine or authentic self. So let me just repeat that, that the research concluded through the positive psychology, what makes people happy is that happiness is an internal experience based on staying true to one's genuine or authentic self, which is just so true. When people are able to function well in the world using their strongest abilities, they call them these signature strengths, they have a chance to achieve authentic happiness. They've identified 24 signature strengths found in cultures around the world. And the first step is to identify your own personal strengths. From there, you can explore ways to incorporate your strengths into your life so that your best abilities can be expressed in whatever you do in your daily life. When you stay true to the best in yourself, you can achieve an authentically happy life, which is so true, right? That we know when we're not being true to ourselves or we're having people in our lives that we really don't want to have in our lives or interact with, but we're not saying anything and we're putting up with bad behavior, right? Or staying in a job that we don't really feel good about. So you always want to be true to yourself. You always want to be authentic. So I'm going to share with you guys these 24 signature strengths, and then you can decide for yourself like, oh yeah, I'm doing that already. Or no, that's maybe something for me to explore. And maybe that will make a difference in my level of happiness in my life. And they do have on the website, I just want to give you that you can investigate your own strengths by taking a test on the internet, which is under www.authentichappiness.sas.upenn.edu. And this is just a survey of your own character strengths. So if you want to have a little bit of fun and figure out what that is, that's something you can do. Once again, it's www.authentichappiness.sas.upenn.edu. So I'm going to go through all 24, actually, and 
on my website under my newsletters, a lot of the information I'm sharing today is on my newsletter called Finding Happiness. So if you're, you know, driving or whatever, and you're not able to take any notes and you want to kind of go over these, you can look at my newsletter on Finding Happiness and I'll have the list of all the things I'm going to go over with you guys right now. So let's start with number one, right? So like I said, there's 24. You want to identify two or three that fit you best. And then you can work towards more authentic happiness and try to see how you can incorporate these strengths into your daily life experiences. And they're all really good. They're all really good. So the first one's curiosity and interest in the world. So curiosity suggests being open to experience and flexibility and dealing with ideas that do not fit your preconceived notions about the world. Curious people not only tolerate ambiguity well, but they seek it out and are attracted by it. Curiosity implies an active involvement in learning about new information, not just a passive interest in new things, and it's the opposite of being bored. So I was thinking that's a really big deal right now about being bored. With the pandemic, a lot of us are feeling bored, right? There's not as much to do. We can't go and just kind of you know, do whatever we want, like we did before. We have to be like, oh yeah, that's closed. I can't do this, can't do that. So what could I do instead right now, you know, is having more of an interest in the world and maybe learning about different cultures or different countries, different places that, you know, we want to travel to when we're out of this pandemic and things are back to, you know, quote, normal. You know, I could take some time and, you know, be curious about that and, you know, learn a little bit. So that's just an idea with that. Number two is love of learning. So this strength refers to the strong enjoyment of learning new things, and it implies that you seek out learning wherever you can find it, through reading, taking classes, in the future, going back to museums. You love learning even when there is no external incentives for you to do so. So it's not like, oh, I'm going to take this class to get closer to my degree, or I'm going to take this class because um, I have to get so many, you know, continued ed education units, maybe for a license that I hold. Like, I'm just doing this because I really just want to know. So that's really a different, you know, type of love for learning. So that's something maybe you could, you know, incorporate. And these are, again, some things, even with the pandemic we can do, right, is learn about stuff, read some books, take some classes online. Number three is your judgment, critical thinking, and open-mindedness. So this trait refers to thinking things through based on solid evidence. You examine all sides of an issue before coming to a conclusion, and you're able to change your mind in the face of new information. The opposite of this strength is seeking out information only if it conforms to what you already believe. So you want to be more open and say, okay, you know, I think I disagree with this person's point of view, but I'm going to learn more about it so I can really feel solid in what my belief is and not just go off what I think is right. And I think, you know, this is something that our country's really struggling with right now is everyone believing in what they're believing and not being open to hear other people because everybody's just so angry about things right now that you know, it's kind of closed off some of our openness, right? And our critical thinking and not being open-minded. So that's just something to think about to see if that's a state that you're in. Number four is ingenuity, originality, practical intelligence, and street smarts. So there's a lot there, but this attribute refers to an ability to find novel ways of achieving your goals as long as they're appropriate. 
It means finding new and creative ways to get what you want and not going through conventional routes to get there. So that's always fun. You know, a lot of times you can watch documentaries and people have done things. You're like, oh my gosh, I would have never thought of that. Or, you know, was able to, you know, create something in their life in a really different way and be more original. So that's something fun that sometimes we get stuck in doing things a certain way or the way we, it should be, quote unquote. So, you know, can we be more, you know, practical intelligence, uh, having more street starts, be more original. Number five is social, personal, and emotional intelligence. So people with social intelligence are those who are able to read the moods, needs, and motives of other people and can respond appropriately to others. It is not referred to just being introspective. It also implies being able to engage in socially skilled behavior. Personal intelligence means being tuned into your own feelings. You're able to put yourself into situations that bring out your best ability, such as a job where you do what you do best. So seeing if you're in tune with that. Number six is perspective. This strength is similar to wisdom. It implies that others draw on your experience to help them solve problems and gain perspective for themselves. It means having a way of defining the world that makes sense to you and other people. Number seven is valor and bravery. So this trait pertains to having the courage to face difficult situations or stand for your beliefs in the face of opposite or challenge. Again, something that's going on a lot in our world today. This is not mere boldness or rashness, but it refers to the ability to face danger despite fear without the loss of dignity. So whatever your belief system is, for to stand by that, even if somebody else disagrees with you. And I think that's a really good trait. Number eight is perseverance, industry, and diligence. So perseverance means being able to finish what you start with a positive attitude. You do what you say you'll do. It is not referred to obsessively pursuing unattainable goals or perfectionism. Rather, it implies flexibility and a realistic approach to finishing projects. So remember, if you listen to my podcast on perfectionism, I talk about that. It's not about just reaching the goal, but it's that, you know, even if you don't achieve it, that you're able to learn from it and bounce back and have that perseverance. So when it says it implies flexibility and a realistic approach to finishing projects that, you know, how can I get there? It doesn't have to be just a certain way and be perfect. So that's also another important trait. Number nine is integrity, genuineness, and honesty. So if you live your life with genuineness and authenticity, that means you're more down to earth and you let others see your true self. This is more than just telling the truth. It means showing the world who you really are without pretense. And I got to tell you, when people are more authentic, people are really attracted to that. People like people being authentic and not putting on a show and making like everything's fine. Because we all struggle. And when somebody else is authentic, it allows us to be authentic as well. And that's where the attraction is. So we also have number 10, which is kindness and generosity. So this strength involves doing good deeds for others, taking their interests as seriously as your own, and acknowledging the worth of other people. Empathy and sympathy are related to this trait. So that's something we can all practice every day, right? And we can always be doing good deeds for others and taking their interests seriously and just, you know, reaching out right now and just saying, how can I be of service and be, you know, helping somebody else? If they just need my time, you know, if they need something fixed around the house, but can be done in a safe way, you know, with COVID, do they need me to just pick something up at the store for them, leave it at the doorstep? Like, you know, there's lots of things we can still do for each other and stay, you know, socially distant and safe. Number 11, which is something I think a lot of people struggle with, is loving and allowing yourself to be loved. So this trait implies an ability to form close and intimate relations with other people and to choose people who feel the same way toward you. 
While some people can show love to others, this trait also implies the ability to let others love you in return. And a lot of people can be very loving towards others, but have a hard time accepting love. They have a hard time accepting like a compliment. They don't believe people when they're sincere, you know, like, well, they're just saying that to be nice, or they just wanted something from me, or that's what they're supposed to say. So if you say those things to yourself, you may be struggling with allowing others to love you in return. And that's something to work on. Number 12 is citizenship, duty, teamwork, and loyalty. You're a loyal, dedicated member of groups and can always be counted on do your share. You're able to put the interest of the group above your own, respecting the authority of the group. It's just being a team member, right? Number 13 is fairness and equity. This trait involves an ability to treat people equally and fairly regardless of your own personal biases. It implies that you're able to give everyone a fair chance and that you're guided by principles of morality. So that's a good one. I think we all need to look inward and see if we're really, if we're doing that. Are we being fair and, and having equity with others and putting our biases aside? Because I think that's a big issue in our world today as well. 14 is leadership. A good leader is effective at organizing the activities of people, getting the group's work done while maintaining good relations between group members. This person maintains a humane approach when dealing with group members, as well in coordinating activities between groups. So good leadership is, you know, obviously not being biased and finding other people's strengths and bringing people together and making everybody feel apart and equal. So, you know, that's something if you're maybe a manager in your company to look at and say, you know, is that how I'm treating everybody with kindness and compassion and fairness? And if I'm not, what can I do to change that? Good leadership can go a long way. Fifteen is self-control. So this characteristic involves the ability to hold your impulses and needs in check when appropriate. It implies expertise in regulating your emotions when things go bad, as well as maintain a positive attitude when faced with difficult situations. So self-control is a big deal, right? Not everybody has it. <laughs> and that's something to see if that's something that is one of your strengths or not, or something you want to work on. 16 is prudence, discretion, and caution. So this strength implies an ability to be careful. You avoid saying things you might later regret, and you're more aware of long-term goals and their consequences rather than going for a short-term gain. So just looking at the bigger picture. 17 is humility and modesty. Humble people do not seek the spotlight, and they let their accomplishments speak for themselves. You do not define yourself as special, realizing that your life victories and defeats are unimportant in the grand scheme of things, and your unpretentious and others recognize and admire you for this quality. So humility and modesty is is a great trait and that, you know, the things that you do for others or the accomplishments is coming from a real genuine place and not to get just acknowledged for that. 18 is appreciation of beauty and excellence. So you're elevated by beauty, excellence, and skill in all domains. You're able to appreciate the awe and wonder of life all around you in nature, art, science, and little everyday things. So this is one of my strengths. I think I have that. I get really blown away by things that people create and art and, you know, even able to, you know, create like decorating, you know, a room, right? What's going to look good here or there? I mean, that's just not one of my skills I have being able to kind of, you know, see it beforehand to kind of slowly put things together. Oh, this will look nice. This will look nice. So I really do appreciate when I see something. I really take a minute to really look at that. And I just love seeing that the creativity of other people and the wonder and the awe of, of things around in my life. 19, which is so important for all of us, is gratitude. So you're aware of what is good in the world and you don't take these things for granted. You appreciate the good in people and their accomplishments as well as in nature. 
and you take the time to count your blessings and you show this in your actions. And again, with all the research, I know I've mentioned this before too, is that the happiest people are the ones that are most grateful. Number 20 is hope, optimism, and future-mindedness. So you have a goal-directed life based on your expectation that you'll achieve the best for yourself in the future, and your optimism helps guide you in planning and working hard to achieve your goals. And we all have to have some level of hope. What's the opposite with that is hopelessness, which is a really horrible place to be, right? So we all have to have some hope. Things are going to get better. I have hope that we're going to get past the pandemic. I have hope that our country will come together and we can work again together. Like That's something we all need to have and have some optimism to reach some happiness in our lives. 21 is spirituality, sense of purpose, faith, and religiosity. So you have strong beliefs in your attachment to something larger than you are, whatever that might be. You search for your place in the universe, and these beliefs both mold your actions and serve as a source of comfort for you, and you feel that your life has purpose and meaning. So again, that's really important too, whatever that purpose or meaning is. And what, what, what is something that you feel like is maybe larger than you? Could be nature. It doesn't always have to, I think people get too stuck on, oh, it's a religion, it's a religion. You know, some people do believe in God. Some people, you know, their higher power, quote unquote, is, is nature, is being out in the ocean, is, you know, whatever it is for you that makes you feel connected to the universe. So you can create whatever that means for you so it can help you. 22 is forgiveness and mercy. So this strength refers to your ability to forgive those who have done you wrong, and you're guided by mercy rather than revenge. And you always give people a second chance. So that one, based on what they're saying here, you know, I don't like using the word always, <laughs> getting in the way here for a minute. Sometimes it's best to give someone a second chance if that's what's best for you, and you have to really walk through that to see. But I would, you know, that one I'm a little hesitant about, to be honest. I wouldn't always give someone a second chance. Depends on what the action was. But lots of times we can give people a second chance and give them an opportunity to maybe make amends, talk through things and make things better, you know, based on the bigger picture. So I just want to give you my two cents right there. <laughs> and your way of dealing with others is to be kind and generous rather than avoidant or retaliatory. All of that, I definitely do believe that we do want to have the strength to forgive and not be focused on revenge because revenge is only going to really hurt us. You know, I have a podcast on forgiveness that you might want to listen to that talks about how to forgive. I also have one about don't drink the poison, which does talk about resentment, which is part of being revengeful, possibly. So those are some podcasts you can listen to to get more ideas about that, but a level of forgiveness and mercy. And I would add grace here, I guess, for others to sometimes just give people or yourself some grace based on the circumstance that you're going through or they're going through that's affecting their behavior. Number 23 is playfulness and humor. So you enjoy laughing and bringing lightness and fun to other people. You're able to mix work and play and you and others appreciate your ability to lift others out of seriousness and into humor. So this one I'm going to give full credit to uh, my sister Beth, who is one of the funniest people I know. And even in the downest times, she can make you laugh. And that's been a gift that she's had ever since she was a kid. <laughs> And that's something that I try to work on more. And I really admire that's one of her really great strengths. And I appreciate having that around me because that can help. And last but not least is 24, which is zest, passion, enthusiasm. So you're true to your spirit. You approach life with passion and energy, and you can enthusiastically throw yourself into activities. 
you feel inspired by the mere act of living life to the fullest. So I know that was a lot. And again, you can go on my website at mycognitivebehavioraltherapy.com under my newsletters. This one's called Finding Happiness. And again, they talk about with the positive psychology approach to just identify two or three of the 24 I've talked about that fit you best. And working towards the authentic happiness, try to see how you can incorporate these strengths into your daily life experiences. So there's a lot to choose from. I'm not talking about having all 24, right? You can have some that are really like, oh, yeah, these are my main strengths. These I do have in my life. Maybe I want to work on them. You know, um, you know, how does that fit into my life? And so I hope this just kind of gave you some things to think about regarding, okay, what is this? You know, everybody keeps talking about being happy. Oh, be happy, be happy, right? The song, don't worry, be happy. You know, things like that. And people are like, I don't even know what that really means or what does that mean for me? So I would thought that this podcast could kind of give you, again, some direction and some tangible things to hold on to and to work towards and to see if, you know, maybe making these strengths even stronger in your life can get you to that place of feeling happy and finding happiness and feeling more content. And as always, using your CBT tools that you're learning along with me about when you're not feeling happy and you're having negative moods, you know, asking yourself, what am I thinking? Is this 100% true? Is it a hot thought? And if it is for me to be able to challenge that and start changing it. So again, thanks for being with me. I'm going to leave you with my two mantras is make decisions based on what's best for you, not how you feel. And instead of asking yourself, why me? Ask yourself, what now? So stay safe, be happy, (laughs) and uh, we'll talk again soon. Again, please reach out and send emails or thoughts or ideas for my podcast at mycbtpodcast at gmail.com. Again, my website is mycognitivebehavioraltherapy.com. You can follow me on Instagram at mycbtpodcast. You can also find me and send me messages on Facebook at Julie L. Osborne LCSW as well as on LinkedIn at Julie Osborne LCSW. Whoa, Poe Productions.